0: Hi, and welcome to Book Club, a Sales Enablement Pro podcast. I'm Olivia Greiman. Sales enablement is a constantly evolving space, and we're here to help professionals stay up to date on the latest trends and best practices so they can be more effective in their jobs. Sales is a career where mindset really can make all the difference from understanding customer behaviors to developing a sound process to crafting an effective strategy and to closing with confidence. Success in sales is very much rooted in psychology and I'm so excited to have Allison Edgar MBE here to tell us a little bit more about this concept that she details in her book Secrets of Successful Sales. So with that, Alison, I'd love to pass it to you to tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background.
1: Hi, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. I am Alison Edgar, MBE. Now, I'll probably explain that before the book. So in the UK, um, about twice a year, twice a year, the then queen, now to be king, chooses a thousand people to be honoured for specific things, and you can get them for charity, for sport, for pretty much anything, education. Mine is is a member of the British Empire for Entrepreneurship and Business, so in the US it gets confused a little bit because people think it's an MBA, but it's not, it's an MBE, so... I am also the author of two books. The first one is called Secrets of Successful Sales, which um, we will be talking about today because it's obviously about sales enablement. And the other book is called Smash It, The Art of Getting What You Want which I think is interesting when people say which order should you read the book in, the books in. I think actually Smash It is the prequel. It should have been written in the other order to Secrets of Successful Sales. But yes, I've written two books. I think fundamentally... One of the things that I think will resonate with the audience is I actually love sales. And I think that, yes, sales does evolve and there's obviously new technology and there's things that can help us. But fundamentally, people buy people and they buy people like them. So I think there's that that hopefully some of those things will come out today and just different ways that people can stay focused to improve their sales results.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you for being here. And also thank you for explaining what NDE means. I did not know that. And that's, I mean, what an honor to be recognized for all of your amazing work. So um, I do want to dig into the Secrets of Successful Sales book that you mentioned. Um, what I really loved about the book is that it brings together psychology and sales to walk through a methodology to help others really achieve success in sales. And I'd love to hear from your perspective, you know, what are some of the key principles from psychology that really do have a massive impact on success when applied to a sales strategy?
1: I pretty much think it's a lot of it is always the psychology behind it, because you can have the the best processes in the world but if you're not building strong relationships with different types of people, you're alienating some of your customers and that affects your performance. And I think that's where when we look at the, what I use is DISC, which is based on Carol Young's psychology and it, it's based on colours. And I think any of the, the psychology profiling tools, they get a bad reputation. Oh, you're pigeonholing people. Oh, you're putting them in boxes. You're not. It's really about self-awareness and adaption. So it's not about pigeonholing, oh, task-focused introverts shouldn't be in sales or introverts shouldn't be in sales. It's not because actually some of those attributes are the best things, but I think it's really building those strong relationships and that does come from psychology. The other huge thing comes from your mindset and how you stay focused and stay positive and how you become resilient because ultimately sales is wrapped in rejection and for some people and I'll be this is quite controversial I don't think that everybody has got that strength and that inner strength to make it in sales that um, it's those skill sets which again come back to how you become resilient how you continue to focus when you have a bad day that to me is all the psychology and those are the most you know not the most important things but they're really high priority when it comes to motivating yourself and actually getting sales results.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about this a little bit as well, that there are a lot of different personalities that a salesperson can have, but, you know, not all people are cut out for sales. It's a tough career. And so you mentioned that the most successful salespeople are what you call stars, which uh, you know is a set of attributes. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about what it means to be a star and what is it about them that sets them apart from other types of sellers?
1: So I believe that when, it, when you come into sales again I said not everybody's cut out for sales but if you're in sales I believe that everybody has the potential to become a star because a lot of it isn't um it's maybe bucking your own behaviors but it's also learning new things so one of the things like the S of the stars is to stay focused so again a lot of sales people are, <laughs> are quite easily distracted and again I think that at the start of my career, I was quite easily distracted, but I learned that. I learned those good habits and then tenacious. So I think that that's if you look, a lot of that tenacity comes from rejection and what how you handle that rejection. The other thing you've got is staying positive. So, again, if you look at how you stay positive in situations that a lot of time when it comes to, negative thoughts, I believe a lot of negative thoughts come from fear, but also when things aren't going according to plan, you'll always have a a group leader that's trying to distract everybody and take their negativity with them, whereas actually the stars can always stay positive, they switch off from the office gossip, they switch off from everything else, and then that resilience, so that um really welcoming things not going according to plan, and then literally I call it the Chumba Wumba moment. So um, there's a song which was big in the U S called tub thumping. It's from the nineties and it goes, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Nothing's ever going to get me down. And I think a lot of people can sing that song and then go, Oh yeah, but I can't get back up again. The stars can. And that's what equals success. So it's not just one thing. It's the combination of all of those thoughts. And to me, A lot of those things are learned behaviours and that's why I believe that people can achieve that and um, it's just about you know wanting to become a star as well because when we look at the mindset behind it which comes back to the psychology, Carol Dweck talks so much about this fixed and growth mindset that people say to me, Alison if you could give a gift to everybody in the world what would that gift be? Well I would love to get a little box, right? A little tiny box with a little ribbon. I can see it's a bit like a Pandora jewellery box. And I'd love to put a growth mindset into that box. And I'd love to give it to everyone and go, you know what, you've got this growth mindset. It's okay, you can pull yourself back up. It's okay, you can overcome difficult situations. It's okay, you can overcome rejection. But I can't give that to anyone. They have to want to receive that gift. And if they don't want to receive that, then their mindset will always stay in a fixed state, which will always affect their performance, whether they're in sales or any other department, because that affects how you live your life.
0: Mm. Absolutely. And I, I'm so glad that you brought up uh, the growth mindset and Carol Dweck as well. I love that concept. And I, I also love the song that you mentioned too. So that's going to be stuck in my head the rest of the day. Thank you for sharing that. You're going to be
1: chumba womba, day.
0: <laughs> exactly. So the sales methodology that you walk through in your book has four key pillars. And I want to dig into each of them a little bit more with you. Um, but the first pillar is really understanding customer behaviors. I'd love to hear your advice for what sales professionals can do to get ahead of their competition by really understanding their
1: customers better. So I think preparation and planning when it comes to understanding your customers. So there's one thing that we do that. So again, in the book, I talk about the cross, and I think that that really is one of those fundamentals to life, not just sales or sales enablement or growth or performance, and it's understanding some people are task focused other people are relationship some people are introvert other people are extrovert and again with the the disc methodology puts colors behind that red green blue and yellow and it's not about pigeonholing and you're more than one behavior but really that deep understanding of yourself so for example if you're doing the planning and the research tools like linkedin are amazing behind that and I, obviously you've got the tech side like on crystal knows. Sometimes I feel that's not particularly accurate, but we teach people using the methodology in the book to look at somebody's profile picture, look at their bio, and look at their posting, and that will give you some idea. So, for example, um, unless it's a set photo that your company's made you use, and everybody the photo a bit like the school day where the photographer comes in, and everyone's got the same photo, but usually you've got free rein. selecting your photo on LinkedIn and you'll find if it's an extroverts photo usually they're like that like looking down the barrel of the lens whereas if it's an introvert sometimes they'll be way further back on a a scene or they might be on a beach or with somebody else or with their dog or with their child so even from that side of things you know how to tailor your approach rather than just going in with the one-size-fits-all message Also looking at their bio, is it written in the first or is it written in the third? Um, Look at how much of their profile on LinkedIn is filled in, because again, if somebody's relationship focused, for example, a relationship focused extrovert, so that we call that the yellow behaviour type, it'll be, and I've done this, and I've done that, and here's a picture of me, and here's a selfie of me at this awards, and again... If it's an introverted person, they don't really like to brag and they really don't even like a humble brag. So you'll notice that it's maybe written in the third or it's quite sparse on any achievements they've done. So, again, it's how you tailor that message. And I think that's where when we look at that cross, yes, um, we tend to gravitate on the axis of the behaviours, all extrovert, all task, all relationship, all introvert. But a lot of the time, the best sales performers, you don't really know because ultimately they are the chameleon. They are the behavior of the person that they are with so that they build that strength. And that's when I did the analysis on the top performers, that was one of the things that really came um, so, so highly to the forefront on what the top performers did. That's what the research came up with.
0: Mm. That's fantastic. And I love your advice around just even those little things that can make the difference in how you're able to tailor a conversation and some of those clues as well into maybe their personality type with just even their activity on social media and on LinkedIn. That's fantastic advice. The second pillar that you mentioned in your book is the sales process. And I'd love to hear your perspective on what really a good sales process looks
1: like. So it's interesting because if you look at the sales process, people talk about the evolution of sales and how it's um, like more contemporary. The, the the enablement's different, and again, I do think like a lot of the CRMs now and a lot of the bolt onto the CRMs do quite a lot of the research for you to save to save time because ultimately time is the biggest commodity. But I don't really think the process has changed that much over the last maybe 20 30 40 years if not longer so as soon as people start to sell uh, you know if we look the, the process that i use and, and which i cover in the book is things like um doing your research so really knowing the person that you're talking to be organized when like and not just even organized in your um approach to sales but things like we're really passionate about having an empty inbox having a really clean crm Because the amount of people I've seen, their inbox is a mess. their CRM is filthy, dirty, like they wouldn't even know if they'd had a cancellation pop up because they're not in control of that. So, you know, these are things that not just on a daily basis, but in general, it's good sales hygiene to have a clean, a clean workspace and a clean mind, because that's what helps you to stay focused again, like the stars. Um, Then you've got your, uh, I call it the wind reduction but it's really starting to engage that person in something that's of interest for them. So that's where I talk about the Titanic, we're on the Titanic, we're all about to sink. Who's the first person you want to save? Well, it's yourself, isn't it? Ultimately we we do the fight, flight or freeze, but so many salespeople, when they have that initial conversation, they talk about them and our product does that and it's amazing and it does that. And ultimately the customer doesn't care. They only care about what's in it for them. And that's where I think really that engagement and knowing them more. Oh, I notice you've got your cocker spaniel on there. Like he looks a bit older. How you know what is what's his name? Or you know, starting to build relationships and then you know, kind of moving things across um, into that business relationship. Now I know that again, time is limited. If that's a cold call, or that's a um, not a cold call, again, just that something that's maybe come in as a lead and you're following up on a lead to start talking about their dog with a task-focused person is going to ruin the relationship. So again, that's why it's so important to know those behaviors, because if you pitch that initially wrong, you've blown it already. And a lot of the decision makers are task focused. So again, that's a good example of what not to do with a task focused person, but a great example of what to do with a relationship focused person. So again, so many people don't tailor their approach. So again, that introduction really starts to get people engaged with you because you're talking about what's in it for them. Then the next thing, and I think, ah. Oh, This should be the easiest thing in the world, but it's not, again, like, the reason I talk about this is I get sales calls, people are trying to pitch to me, and it's hopeless. A lot of them just don't have the process, and and they talk, and they talk, and they talk, and again, I know this sounds really bad, but some of the time, we... um, I time them. If I get a sales call coming in, I start my timer to see how long they talk at me before they even engage with me. So um, you would have heard a recall call there. I promise that wasn't a sales call. That was my son. So I've just, I've declined him. It's okay. We're still on track. Um, he's, he's probably trying to sell me something like, "Mom, can I have money for this? Or mum, can I have money for that? See, selling too soon. But again, the main thing is really great open questions. And I think that's you know what? It sounds like the basic who, what, why, where, when, how, who, what, why, where, when, how. Listen to the answer. And then again, who, what, why, where, when, how, who, what, why, where, where. It's just that following that great questions. And another thing, though, I do see people doing uh, incorrectly in sales. And I talk about this in the book is setting the table. So actually, if somebody doesn't know why you're asking those questions, and especially if they're around finance, numbers, existing suppliers, sometimes people can be a wee bit loath to give you that information. Whereas if you said, look, you know what, I've got this product, I think it'd be really a benefit. We work with a lot of people in your uh, area, you know, and we've really helped them to be more efficient or get better results. So... This may or may not be relevant, but to, ne- to be able to sort of qualify this for you and see if we can help, I just have to ask some questions. It will take about 20 minutes. And again, we'll touch on things like existing suppliers and um, costs. How does that sound to you? How, how is that for you? So, again, really getting them to talk and engage. And then, again, the next part, listening and then going for the close if you can at this stage. And again, this is where a lot of people I see doing it wrong that they're not maybe doing a two-step process. So actually, if it's, say, it's a SaaS product and you're trying to sell the demo, that's all you're selling. You know, well, what we can do is have a look. You've already got something. You've said that you're not 100% satisfied. What we can do is do the, the demo and see how that compares and how that would be of benefit to you. You know, when are you available for that? Tuesday or Wednesday? So again, you know, it's breaking that sale down, Whereas what I see a lot is just people just, they're not following any process. They're just literally shooting for a target and hoping it hits. And that's the difference. Again, it's not teaching people to sell. The book helps people to be a top performer. What do the top performers do? What do the stars do? And that's where it's following that process.
0: Mm, Absolutely. And I love how you explained, you know, not only what does a good sales process look like, but what does it not look like? What are some of those mistakes that salespeople often make? So thank you for walking through that. That was very actionable for our audience as well. And the third pillar is around strategy. And so also for our audience who, uh, you know, many of them are sales enablement practitioners. I'd love to hear your advice for how can enablement uh, really support sales leaders in creating an effective sales strategy?
1: So I think a lot of it is networking. And I don't mean, oh, you pitch up in a room and you meet people. It's really starting to become connected to the right people. And in the book, I talk about the Emma Jones strategy. And uh, like she was the key leader in this space. And like literally, I would go out of my way to be able to help. I would run events for her. And again, non-paid, but it really grew my profile. And I think, you know, if, if anybody, have you, are you following Dan Disney? Do you follow Dan? Yes.
0: Yes. yes. He's spoken at one of our
1: events. uh, He's fantastic. He's amazing. And I think he really is the role model as far as the sales space goes, because he created his own profile. And what he did was he was working in a sales role, but he created the daily sales, which again, grew his profile. He then became connected to other people that might want to hear what he said. He then extended his knowledge into LinkedIn and he's now the influencer in that space. So I think it's You know, it's not just, I think, going back back in the day, it was just dial-outs. Your KPI was how many calls would you make, whereas I think social selling now is really impactful. So it's the balance between having conversations on social, you know, commenting on people's posts on social, but also generally, you know, don't be afraid to pick up the phone either or have Zooms, and again, coming back to the stars, that's, the, that's what they would do. But so many people hide behind social, hide behind emails and don't pick up the phone. It's the balance of those things that really help you to achieve your strategy.
0: Mm. Absolutely. And just to close the conversation here, I want to go back to something that we talked about at the start and throughout, but it was one of the first things that you mentioned. Um, But with the final pillar being confidence, you mentioned the importance of mindset and the role that mindset plays in successful sales strategies. I'd love to hear, you know, a little bit more about specifically how does mindset Help to build confidence, and then how does confidence, on the inverse of that, help to influence sales success?
1: I can't even emphasize how important it is. It you know our mind is the most powerful thing in sales, and I think again coming back to do you pick up the phone? Do you have the Zoom? Do you do it by email? When's the right time? Do you oh, And again, I, I believe that that comes back to the cross because. If you're more introverted, you would rather hide behind emails because you'll start to worry, oh, what happens if they shout at me? What happens if it's an inconvenient time? What happens if this? You're catastrophizing in your head of all the things that can go wrong. And that's where I think the top performers really believe that people do want to hear from them, do want to, because they genuinely believe that their product or service is actually the best out there in the market. So, I think it's that really that importance of that self belief in your product. And if you don't believe in the product that you're selling and you don't have that ultimate belief, you're working for the wrong company because it comes across. And, you know, I look at my transition from working for an organization into setting up my own business, that I was in a room um, and the CEO of the company said, that Google thing will never catch on. So, when you have that disbelief in the product that you sell, you're just lying to yourself. So I think that, and, and again, for me, I'm now working with some of the biggest brands in the world. So I work with Adobe, Amazon, Moe Hennessy, the champagne uh, brand, um, EasyJet, the airline. So I'm working with those and I'm selling every day. So people might sit and go, oh yeah, she's not really in sales a- a anymore. But I started a business with no customers and I have to like literally follow everything that I teach. And ultimately have to believe that I am the best speaker for their events. My books are going to change people's lives, and that's what gives me the confidence. And yeah, we get imposter syndrome at times. Like when I landed some of these big brands, I'm like, "Oh, why do they want me? They, they probably want somebody that's got more experience." So again, like even at the peak of your game. You still have these thoughts. And again, it's to change those thoughts. So, you know, you have that that conversation with your head. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not going to want to hear from me. They've got somebody else. They've got something. You've got to literally say to the voice in your head, stop. Just stop now. You are good enough. You are worthy enough. You have got this. Your product can change lives. And then it changes how you actually feel like your physiological self changes, because if it's negative, you start to feel deflated and down and worried and anxious. And that comes across in your tone and your voice. Whereas actually, if you really have that belief and that self-belief, you feel quite excited. You're like, I'm ready. I'm going to smash this. I'm going to do this. And again, This is the difference between those positive behaviours and negative behaviours. They are actually influenced by your brain rather than the external factors. So that's where like a lot of it is, it's yourself. But I talk about in the book, you know, when you look in the mirror, literally, I I look in the mirror and I see the supermodel of sales. And because I see the supermodel of sales, that's what other people see. So it's about that belief in yourself and really looking in the mirror and going, you know what, I'm really great at what I do. And I think there's a thin line between confidence and cocky, but confidence is literally it is queen. And people can sense that in you and really will believe in you, because if you don't believe in yourself, other people won't believe in you either.
0: Mm. That is wonderful advice. I'm going to start giving myself pep talks in the mirror as well. Oh, Alison, thank you so much much for this conversation. I, I loved learning from you. I'm so excited for our audience to hear this.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And to our
0: audience, we absolutely recommend checking out Allison's books. We'll include links to both of them in the transcript. And thanks for listening. For more insights, tips, and expertise from sales enablement leaders, visit salesenablement.pro. And if there's something you'd like to share or a topic that you'd like to learn more about, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you.